0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Believe in Guardians. We do have a little, I guess we have two guests today. Uh, First (laughs) off, (laughs) I do have Zach at the corner as my guest today, courtesy of At The Corner Pod. And with him is this wonderful, beautiful daughter and who you heard in the background. But um, maybe we could get her takes today. What do you think?
2: I don't know, man. I'm sure I'm sure she's got some flaming hot takes today. But uh, right now she's scarfing this this uh, quesadilla. So she might be a little preoccupied.
0: Right. Well, it's it's official. Uh, Gavin Williams is here. Has been called up. I know he's projected to make today's start. Um, his a couple of stats for him in the minors: he's nine and six record with the two one zero ERA, eleven point eighty one strikeouts per nine innings, and thirty seven starts. Um, so you know, kind of give the people a little bit of of a background of Gavin Williams for people who don't know. Of course, he is the Guardians' top prospect who's finally making his debut after being drafted in 2021. So he hasn't been in the minors that long.
2: No. So what you've seen from Cleveland this year, I think is kind of unprecedented. You've seen them promote all three of their top pitching prospects. Uh, You've seen Tanner Bybee, you've seen Logan Allen, uh, and now Gavin Williams. And (laughs) I don't think the baseball gods like Cleveland this year, you know, we got something nice, but it, it came at the, at the behest of the Tristan McKenzie news with his injury. And, waiting to find out more about that, but there is a lot to be excited about with Gavin Williams. He's a first round pick uh, 23rd overall pick from the 2021 draft out of Eastern Carolina university. Uh, and if you read any of this stuff on him from people far more knowledgeable than myself, uh, he is the real deal. He's a big, tall right-hander uh, and he's got a powerful delivery and he slings a fastball near hundred miles an hour. Uh, if you go watch any of his minor league highlights from this year, the dude just gets people to swing at this. His fastball has so much vertical ride on it. Uh, yeah, be excited. And there's good reason for them promoting him. Um, obviously, they think that he can help them win now. You know, this isn't a move that you make to bring him up for a spot start. This isn't, you know, hey, we're going to get your feet wet and then you're getting option to Columbus because we need you as starter. start. Uh, what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot more of Gavin Williams in the rotation. Um, What that looks like as the year goes on, trying to manage some of the younger guys innings, maybe shuffling them back and forth, getting Gaddis some spot starts. You know, I don't think either three of them are going to be here for this year. You want to protect their young arms, but yeah, man, lots to be excited about. He absolutely blew through the minor leagues last year. He was getting people's attention when he was at high A to start last year. Got a very quick promotion to Akron uh, where he spent most of last year and then got the call up at the end of the season to Columbus and, Exactly like last year, and Columbus just absolutely blowing through hitters. So, yeah, tons and tons to be excited about. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that
0: last point about protecting uh, his arm, and of course the young arms of uh, the you know other guys we have in the rotation. Uh, it's something that I certainly think of, you know, every time one of these guys starts because they are so young, so young. You do want to protect them. We've seen guys uh, come up young and just be overused, and they flame out after a couple years. So, what do you think is the game plan? Uh, for the team right now because like you said it, it's not going to be a spot start thing and I kind of relate that to Bo Naylor right now and we'll get that to in a second where you bring them up and you expect them to be here for the long haul but what do you expect as a game plan for the Guardians with all of these young guys in the rotation plus some other guys that they could bring up to spot start that you know you want to protect their arms but the veterans are injured some other guys just haven't produced like Karen and police uh, so what do you see out of that?
2: I think uh, it's a good time to have this problem because uh, Cal Quantrill is working his way back to being healthy. He's throwing a 60-pitch bullpen in Arizona this week, uh, and he's scheduled to make a rehab start for the Clippers next week. He'll be on a pitch count. Um, They want him to make sure that he can actually throw in a game without any shoulder discomfort, and that's fine. You're at a spot where you can wait for Cal to come back. But the good news is for managing – some of the innings and workload for your rookies is at least right now you have the pitching depth to do so. Um, You've got Cal Savali looks good, provided he can stay healthy. You've got Hunter Gaddis who's always an option. Um, We've seen the team blow through a little bit of their pitching depth and their expendable pitchers over the last weekend and the shuffling of the roster positions to get to the point where you could bring up Williams in a low pressure situation. You know, we saw Tukey come up and make a spot start even though he was not stretched out as a starter even though he's a former starter in the Arizona series we saw them burn Daniel Norris who was designated for assignment today to make uh, room Williams Williams. so you know I I don't think Norris is a guy that a lot of teams take a flyer on so if he squeaks through he's always an option Tukey was claimed off of waivers from Chicago which is not a surprise Tukey's a former first round pick you know somebody's always going to take a flyer if he can find his command he'll be great but, you know, you got Cal coming back. Savali's look good. You've got Gaddis, um, And I'm certain that they have more expendable pitching options within the organization uh, that they can use. So I think you're going to see – I don't think you'll see it maybe until after the All-Star break. I think it, in August you'll probably start to see some shuffling. You'll start to see – you'll probably see Bybee get optioned down for a week or two. You'll see Allen get optioned down for a week or two. Um And Williams, since he's a little later than the other two, you probably won't see him get moved until September, Um, but he will definitely be on a playoff roster if this team is in the playoffs. I definitely think, you know, he's a guy, he throws a hundred mile an hour fastball. He's got a plus plus fastball. It's graded 80 out of 80. Um, As for what that looks like specifically, I don't envy the front office because managing guys and their options, it gets really messy and really complicated, but uh, there's a reason that we have the best in the biz in Cleveland's front to handle that. So look for them to manage some of their innings. You know, you might see there might be some nights where they get the hook pretty quick. You know, it might look like you know Gavin or Tanner or Logan they're cruising through five and they get the hook. Why? Well, they're only at seventy pitches, but you know what? The team's in a position to win. The bullpen's rested. You want to preserve some of those innings? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Now there's I do want to ask that, that works out. Yeah, I do want to ask you what do you kind of expect out of Gavin Williams as far as tonight? Because uh, they are facing uh, the Oakland A's, who, of course, are the worst team in baseball. They're 19 and 56 right now. And, uh, you know, their offensive stats are near or at the bottom with a lot of offensive categories, including hits, uh, batting average, OPS. Now, uh, you know, those guys are, you know, professionals too. Uh, But you do have a rookie. So uh, what do you kind of expect out of Williams to, you know, his first major league start, it is against a bad team, but he is going against major league hitters for the first time in his career.
2: He is. And I think think Cleveland was preparing him for that because they've had him work a lot on his secondary pitches at Columbus. You saw a lot of curveballs and a lot of sliders in his starts this year. Um, Obviously, you know, nobody needs to see his fastball to know that it's a plus-plus pitch with plus-plus command. Kind of the Peyton Battenfield treatment that Peyton got last year. Peyton was working on a lot of his secondary offerings, which is maybe why some of his underlying numbers were not great. But I think you're going to see a lot of fastballs. This should absolutely be a fastball heavy game. Uh, You're going to see him attack with the fastball early. Uh, He does have a changeup, which is really kind of a show me pitch to left handers. So really, he's a three pitch pitcher. He's fastball slider uh, curveball. Um, you're going to see the curveball when he's ahead in the count. You're going to see him try to get hitters out in front of it, and it's a nasty pitch. It's a 12-6 curveball. It rocks in at about 77 to 79 miles an hour. After you see nothing but 99 mile an hour heat for a couple pitches, and it's coming out of the same arm slot, it's pretty hard to slow the bat down on that. Um, you probably have to have somebody sitting on it to to get it. So I think you're going to see a good start out of him. You know me; I don't like to levy expectations on rookies. Um, mostly just because I think it's unfair to them. You know, he could come out and throw a complete stinker tonight, like full (laughs) disclosure. It it could happen. And we've seen that Tanner and Logan's, you know, they both had starts in the last week that weren't so great. Um, My hot, my ceiling for tonight is a 10 strikeout debut. I really, I really think he can be that guy. His fastball is that good. And, it's, it's hard to hit 97 to 99 miles an hour. Hell, there's guys that struggle to hit 95 miles an hour well-placed. Tristan throws a 95-mile yeah. fastball. If you can put it where you want it, hitters won't catch it. I think he'll be dominant. Maybe only five innings, maybe six if his pitch count isn't too bad, but he should be in line for the W, provided that the offense can put him in front.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that, that sentiment. Uh, I do want to ask you really quickly, do you think possibly a six-man rotation could work out? Uh, I've heard it floated around just a little bit, and it's an idea that I've kind of flirted with a little bit. Um, Like, you know, we said it before, we got a lot of young guys up here. You want to protect their arms. What do you think about a six-man rotation to kind of stretch out people's starts and, you know, kind of keep them healthy down the stretch?
2: That would work if Terry Francona believed in a six-man rotation. Um, I think the biggest roadblock to that is the fact that Tito doesn't want to sacrifice a bullpen arm because there is the roster restriction that teams can only have 13 pitchers. So right now you're rocking with a five-man rotation and an eight-man bullpen. If you go to a six-man rotation, you go down to a seven-man bullpen. And we already have the problem of our relievers being overworked. Um, You have guys on pace to throw 80, 90 innings. Class A's on pace for like 70-some appearances. It's ridiculous. So
0: Brian Shaw numbers.
2: No kidding. Um I don't envy the people that make that decision because that's a tough spot to be in. You have to balance. Cause I think you have, you don't say, <laughs> I think you have to seriously look at like your bullpen. Com- goodness. You have to seriously look at your bullpen composition at that point too, because now it's like with a six man rotation, you know, maybe I think Xavier Curry, I think his role becomes even more important because if you have a guy that just goes out and throws an absolute tire fire start, um, you know, Xavion's Curry rolls, he's he becomes even more critical because now he's protecting your bullpen, which is down a man. Um, they do have some reliever depth. You can option, you can shuffle guys, but you know, your reliever depth options are not great. It's pretty much Karinchak. Uh, and that's it. And he his numbers at Columbus have not been great since he got sent down. The walks are up, he's still striking out, guys, and the walks are always going to be there. He's a two-pitch pitcher. If he can't command it, he's gonna walk, guys, but his upside is always a guy. He can walk three and load the bases and then strike out the side. Um, I really think they want him to figure it out. You know, it's no stranger that Karen Chack is struggling from the sticky stuff ban. Um, and I think that's showing, that Hey, he can eat innings. Do I think that they would do it? Probably not. I think they, yeah. they're pretty happy with the bullpen comp the way it is. And so I think the way that you'll see that play out is you'll see maybe Gaddis comes up and gets a spot start <laughs> Or you know, Gaddis comes up into the rotation for a couple weeks because once you option a guy, you can't recall him for ten days. Right. So I, th- I think that's more of what you're likely to see. You'll see whoever the odd man out is when Cal comes back, whether Cal goes to Columbus or Savali goes to Columbus, you'll see a shuffling of all three of them: Cal, Savali, and Gaddis.
0: Yeah. Um. I guess we can wrap up the Gavin Williams talk. Um. It, it seems like a, a little bit of a buzz here today up in Cleveland. You know, with Gavin Williams coming up, a lot of uh you know people have been waiting for him to finally make his debut um but another guy that we, we're going to talk about is Bo Naylor uh a lot it's of clamoring Bo for him season yeah. finally <laughs> a lot of clamoring for Bo Naylor to finally be called up after Mike Zanino was uh DFA'd last week um i mean rough start for him he is a rookie he's over 17 uh so far through his career he of course made a couple um Played appearances last year. So far this year, he's 0 for 9 with four strikeouts. Now, like I said, he is a rookie. So there is that learning curve once you come up from the minors. Um, But what do you kind of expect out of him? Because one thing that I wonder is, are they going to put too much expectations on him to kind of be the quote unquote savior once your former starting catcher was struggling so so mightily uh, both at the plate and behind
1: it?
2: I don't think the front office is going to levy expectations on him. If there's anybody that I think is going to have unrealistic expectations, it's the fan base. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm as much of a bow nailer guy as much as the next guy, but like you can't yeah. like some of y'all on Twitter that are out here, like mm-hmm. saying like, can we not have a four a <laughs> player come up like guys? He has less than 50 major league plate appearances. The average sample size gauge to gauge a hitter at the major league level is 600. And that's a whole season. Bo will not get 600 plate appearances this year. We're almost halfway through the season. So be patient. Uh, Some of this is probably jitters and it's no mistake. It's no known secret that catching is hard. There's yeah. a lot going on. He's responsible. The for the position.
0: He's got a lot of ex, uh, expectation and duties, you know, with just being a catcher. He's got, you know, Absolutely. pitchers to learn. He's got to command He's the defense, everything. He's got to know how everything. to call
2: the game. He's got to read mm-hmm. the scouting report on the hitters. He's got to be thinking ahead of the hitters. He's responsible for base runners. And that's why you oftentimes see catchers in the major league. They're either one or other. You know, you have a guy, except for the Sean Murphy unicorn, who plays great <laughs> defense and is a great hitter. They're either all offense and no defense like Wilson Contreras or or they're a great defensive prowess. They don't let balls get by them and they throw out base runners like Austin Hedges. So it's like, it's like the thing is it's like, look if Bo comes up and he's a, he's a slightly above average major league catcher with the responsibilities that he has. You can live with that because it's really hard to find. He's young. He's 23. Give Sandy time to coach him. Trust that Chris Velaico will work on his approach. We've seen it with Jimenez this year. Jimenez struggled for the first two months of the season, and finally they made a small correction in Jimenez's stance to get him more even through the ball. And now Himi's, you know driving the ball the other way, which is what made him so successful last year. Those are small adjustments that teams make after large sample sizes. Some of y'all are so quick to go jump on baseball savant after a guy has 50 plate appearances and his bubbles populate and be like, wow, this guy sucks. No, he doesn't suck. You're just impatient. Mm -hmm. Baseball is all about the long game, right? It's 162 games in a year. You know, your starters, day one starters, they'll get six, 700 plate appearances. You can't judge a guy off 50 PAs, especially when, like, what, 14 of them are from this year. Now, one thing I do think that you can expect from him, I think as some of those jitters go away, you're going to start to see his plate discipline really come into effect. One of the things that he does so well is he does draw walks. He can fall behind in the count. He can work the count. He spits on bad pitches. Um, and that's actually one of the things that makes him so effective versus left-handers is because he can walk a lot. He doesn't hit them as well, which that's normal for lefty-lefty. Um, but just level your expectations a bit. Is he a good catcher? Yes. Is he struggling to throw out base runners? Yes. Also, every catcher in baseball is struggling to throw out base runners this year. Yeah, a bigger bases. Bigger bases, steals are up, the pitch timer, the disengagement rules from the pitching rubber where it gives hitters a better opportunity to gauge a pitch to go on. Like, stolen bases are up across the league. So, don't look at that so much. Like, Bo can throw 100 miles an hour to second base. That's absurd. That's not just natural talent. Like, you have to work to get that form and that strength to be able to gun that. And even Terry Francona is on the record as saying, this kid has a cannon in spring training. So, just give him time, you know, enjoy his success. He'll get his first hit, he'll get his first home run. Just level out on him.
0: Yeah, it goes back to what you were saying about Gavin Williams and having that patience because it would be unfair to him. He still is a rookie. And like you said, he's only 23 years old. He's come on a plan the most difficult Both of position. Them are
2: incredibly young.
0: Yeah, so just like you said, be patient. And I even kind of preach that with uh, the other guys I commend in as be patient. He's still super young. And yep, he's I've only said 24. it. Yeah, I've said it multiple times. that I think that last year's success kind of plays too much expectations on this season. Um, So, yeah, you just have to be patient with pretty much everybody. And even someone like Ahmed Rosario, who, I mean, they wanted to run him out of town even after a week. And, you know, kind of rightly so, I guess, you know, defensively, he's not great this year. Last year, he was decent. And um, offensively, though, he's starting to turn it around as if you pay attention to what his career arc is, that's what he does. But yeah, going back to Bo Naylor, I agree with everything you said, just having that patience that, you know, he'll turn it around. In the minors he did 253, uh 13 homers, for 48 RBI this year. I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, no especially PS from the catcher position. Right. So like it's gonna come around as long as he keeps at it. So is he have gonna have patience. some
2: big clutch hits this season? Absolutely. Yeah. Should you expect that he's gonna do it every time? No. Right. You don't you don't do that to any other player. Baseball is as much of a crapshoot when it comes to individual like matchups like that. Like baseball I'm is a numbers st- game. You play for the guy that gives you the best statistical advantage, and obviously they gave they gave Zanino every opportunity mm. to turn that around. They gave him more than his curtain call to find it, and you know whether Zanino had the yips, which if you don't know what the yips is, go look it up or mm-hmm. if the thoracic outlet surgery really just took that much of a toll on his body and he needed more time, it is what it is. Obviously they think Bo can be, I mean, honestly, he can't be much worse. So, you know, they feel like he's the catcher of the future. And now's the time to start getting him reps to build up his major league pedigree.
0: Right. Now let's uh, move on to Tristan McKenzie, you know, dealing with that injury. Uh, I think word came down today is a sprain UCL, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, he's got a so UCL deb- sprain. Yeah, so it definitely seems like he'll be out for some time. Uh, Timetable, we don't know. It could be possibly could come back towards the end of this year. He may have to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, it's kind of up in the air right now. But um, do you think that that injury, of course, it had an effect on calling up Gavin Williams so soon? Uh, but how do you think that that injury will affect the rotation as a whole? And do you think it'll affect a potential Shane Bieber trade?
2: I think it makes Bieber less tradable. Um, you don't have. I think you could have justified trading Bieber if sticks was healthy, because I think Tristan can be that leader. He's a true competitor. He goes out and is a professional on the mound, comes to play works hard. I think it makes Bieber less tradable because Bieber in his last three starts has been very, very good. Um, And, you know, Bieber's a guy that, you know, his velocity is not the same. Zach Meisel did a great article on him reinventing himself Mm -hmm. um, and how he has to constantly try to find that now. And he does it. He goes out and he reinvents himself every game. We literally watch it every time he pitches. I think it makes it less likely. It's tough because if McKenzie, here's my personal opinion on McKenzie. I think he's on the 15-day injured list and he shut down from throwing for four to six weeks because that Difference in timeline versus announcing that he's going to have Tommy John now versus getting a second opinion does not affect when he will be ready to pitch again. Tommy John surgery is an 18-month recovery. It's nine months and a sling, um, and then a very slow ramp up to range of motion and then throwing with lightly weighted balls to build that muscle back up. So he if he has Tommy John surgery, you're looking at opening day 2025. That's, that's pretty rough. Now, would you would you trade Shane Bieber and knowing in 2024 that you're going to have three guys fresh off their rookie season in the rotation? Who's, who's going to lead them? Yeah. Who, uh, it's not going to come from within. There's nobody else with more experience on this pitching staff than Beebs. And, you know, do you, you know, do you trade, do you take your million middle infield prospects and go out and get an ace caliber pitcher? Maybe, but guess what, guys? The reality is the landscape, nobody is selling pitching right now. Everybody is buying um, because guys that can stay healthy and eat innings are at a premium. I don't think the market is prime for that right now. I think at this point, if Tristan has UCL surgery, I think you ride with Bieber all the way through 2024. And if he doesn't take a contract extension or the qualifying offer, you take the comp pick. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where you're at. And The Shane Bieber trade truthers are not going to like that take. Um, I did a huge column on, you know, trade targets that Bieber could potentially go fetch some more unrealistic than others. I think all of those are out of the window. Would the Orioles love to add a guy like Bieber? Yes. Can you afford to trade him? No, because now you're trading pitching depth. What if Gavin Williams gets hurt? What if Tanner Bybee pulls an oblique and he's out for six weeks? God, the forbidden oblique muscle. Strain that takes forever to rehab. Mm-hmm. We've seen, we've seen, how, it from how many times have we seen that. How many times have we seen yeah. that play out? So injuries happen. Like Quincy Wheeler says it all the time. There is no such thing as pitching depth. Everybody is going to get to pitch in the season at some point. So I just don't think they can sacrifice the depth now. I mean, do you want a rotation of four rookies and Savali and or Quattro in there? Um, You know, Joey Cantillo, as much as I love Joey and he's having a great season, hes I don't think his upside is as high as the big three that we've seen come up this year. I just don't think you can trade him.
0: Yeah, um, it's tough because he's by far been the best and most consistent pitcher. I mean, I guess you could argue Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee, who the last time I checked had the best two rookie ERAs in the majors. But as They're far as veterans, year votes. yeah, as far as veterans, though, Shane Bieber has by far been your best pitcher. And like you said, who's going to lead? this super young rotation and even you have Xavier Curry who is kind of your your long reliever i mean he X was projected to be a starter right X is a rookie. and he's he's still super young as well so you definitely need somebody who's going to like you said provide that veteran leadership for some young guys that are are going to have to you know make it on their own as they go through the season next year, you know, their full first full season in the majors. But um, yeah, Bieber really quickly on the season is five and four, three, five, one ERA, uh, 69 strikeouts and 95 innings. And uh over his last two two starts, he's averaging seven strikeouts. Um, you know, a guy who to has struggled to right get even four strikeouts uh the month prior to that. Uh, you know, like you said, reinventing himself. That was a great article from The Athletic. Um, and he's only what, 28? So you're talking about 20. a veteran, but still someone old. still someone who was very young who could continue to be productive for you, you know, well, a we've seen years pitchers be
2: effective well into their thirties. I mean, right. And sure the thing is,
0: especially uh, for him, because as he gets older, he was his, his calling card has been control and yeah. he didn't get the velo- velocity until he got into the guardian system. And I mean, obviously the guardian system has been a little bit of legend and how they treat their pitchers, but, Losing that velocity, even though he is still so young, his calling card that he can lean on, like Savali, has been control, and control will never leave you, even as you get older. Someone mm-hmm. like Adam Wainwright, I kind of think of, who's you know in his mid to late thirties, and you know is in his last major league season, but he can rely on that control that is still making him produ- a productive pitcher, and hopefully that can be Beaver over the next couple seasons if you know they decide to keep him.
2: And I think that's what makes Tanner Bybee's upside so promising too, because when when Bivie, Bybee- goodness. When Bybee got drafted out of Cal State Fullerton, he was a guy that was throwing uh, you know, upper 80s, low 90s. And the Guardians drafted him because it's like, hey, this is a kid that we can take him and we can teach him how to throw 100 miles an hour because he already knows where to put the ball. Now we just need to teach him how to use his body to generate that velocity. And unfortunately with Bieber, that manifested in the form of a shoulder injury. And you don't see most pitchers come back from shoulder injuries throwing the same like they used to. They have to change their mechanics. They have to dial the velocity back a little bit. Carl Willis is on the record as saying he can come out and he can throw 95, 97 for 18 starts a year, or he can come out and he can throw 92, 93 for 28 starts a year. You know, it's all about the body was not made to pitch. Pitching is a freakishly athletic thing. Yeah,
0: it is unnatural, Um, an unnatural motion to pitch a baseball. The fact
2: that we can condition the body and rehabilitate and recover from throwing a hundred pitches at 90 plus miles an hour in five days is incredible. Like I don't think some people truly appreciate that enough. Just how absurd it is. That's why knuckleballers are the knuckleballers of old pitch for so long is because Mm -hmm. they're the only ones that weren't slinging their shoulders and their elbows out for 20 years. Yeah. So
0: yeah, that's a great point.
2: (laughs) Yep. But I mean, I love Biebs, man. He's He really is, like, if you want, like, the definition of a competitor and a leader, he is a professional. He goes out. He does his job. He competes. Aside from one start he had this year, he goes out and he gives his chance the best team to win. That game he threw against the Mets, Sunday night primetime, absolutely phenomenal. Should have gotten the win. The offense absolutely should have shouldered it and given him the W because he went the distance and just wasn't able to get the offense to have his back that's the type of duty is and some some team will be very happy with him. I hope it's Cleveland. I hope they can extend him and keep him. Is that their MO? <laughs> no, fortunately. Yeah. I think I he mean, will be slightly outside their pay range.
0: It, it, it's kind of hard to predict because obviously we aren't general managers. We don't deal with payroll things like that, but not to devalue his worth, but it seems like it, I don't think he would be a very expensive contract. If you decide to extend him something that could be both player friendly and team friendly. Now that'll obviously depend on what he feels his value is, whether he wants to, you know, test free agency or whatever. But I feel like if the two sides could come together, you could find something that'll work. That'll keep him here for a couple years.
2: I would expect them to be very aggressive with pursuing an extension with him in the off season, because they were very involved with Tristan McKenzie in the preseason before he had that terrace major strain. Um, Most players are hesitant to discuss contracts during the season. It draws away from the competitive routine. It's mental stress that they don't need. So I think with sticks possibly being out all next year and on the injured list, you're probably going to see them be very aggressive to try to extend Bieber. You have time with McKenzie. McKenzie's on the second year of his rookie deal. He does not enter arbitration until after next season. Um, So, I mean, yeah. Why not? The time is right. I mean, who else? I don't want anybody else other than Beebs leading these guys, because the reality is there's nobody else out there that you can justifiably trade for. Uh-huh. It's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll get into some some All Star talk now. I uh, will look for the All Star game voting last results voting coming is through. Not great. You know, it's not uh, Jose Ramirez. He did pop all the way up to third from ninth and third base voting. And yet somehow Josh Naylor, who is one of the best hitters in the majors right now, is still ninth in first baseman voting. Um, yeah. But I wanted to hear your opinion on who Josh you
2: Naylor's name. Right uh, now.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he's not only been clutch since that Angel Series, he's been hitting lefties and righties. You know, the guy who apparently can't hit lefties. Yes, we know it's more difficult. He's a lefty. But lately he's been showing that he can do that. Um, but I wanted to get your opinion on who you think will make it. Obviously, every team will have at least one representative. That's just how the you know MLB All Star Game is. But want to get your opinion on who you think makes it and who doesn't make
2: it? I think I don't know. So I think Ho- I think Hosie's got the best chance to start. Um, he unfortunately is blocked by the entire nation of Canada uh, <laughs> voting for Matt Chapman, and you could
0: say that about Guerrero too
2: first base and i was i was gonna get i was gonna get to that too yandy diaz does he deserve to be an all-star absolutely the dude is having a fantastic year he's rocking a wrc plus over 150 um do i think honestly i think if it came down to it i think jose would tell the players that vote on the reserves to elect josh because jose has been before um, Emmanuel Clase will also probably be an All Star. You could make a reasonable case that you know Delos Santos probably also deserves to be an All Star. Kimi was an All Star last year, and he was elected to the reserves and ended up starting because Altuve pulled out uh, three days before the All Star game. I I think Josh has a legitimate chance to go. Um, Do I think that they both go? I don't know. There's a lot of guys on this list that are very deserving. I would personally love to not see Anthony Rizzo go. I hate. Anthony Rizzo, and I hate the Yankees. Um, Adley Rutschman is going to be an all-star. That's fantastic. He's an exciting young switch hitting catcher, was the top prospect in baseball, deservedly so. Um, but I definitely could see, you know, Hosey making a case to the guys that vote. And, you know, players are very fair with that stuff. Players, you know, they know who deserves to be at that game because all of them know what a special privilege it is for those guys to get their first-time all-star. It's It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think it just depends. You'll have to see the way the players and managers vote, but I think Josh definitely goes.
0: Yeah, I hope so. He definitely deserves it. There's absolutely um, no
2: reason he should be in low as, as low as he is in voting.
0: Yeah. He's top 10 in RBI right now. He only has the eight home runs, but he's, driving runs all in American
2: first baseman and runs batted in.
0: Yeah. He's, he's hitting, he's driving guys in, he's doing everything that you want him to do, especially from the corner infield position. That's known for power and run production. Uh, yeah. He very definitely quietly deserves to having
2: a gold glove caliber season at first. Oh, for sure. Well,
0: yeah, obviously we know he's the better defensive first baseman between him and Josh Bell, but absolutely. Yeah. He's, 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 he's doing his thing over there.
2: Yes, he has very quietly turned himself into one of the best, first baseman in all of baseball, you know, he's, it's a pretty uh, high honor when you get mentioned on sports talk shows with guys like Freddie Freeman, you know, Freddie's been doing this in the league for a long time. Freddie's won a gold glove. Freddie's won an MVP. When you've got sports talk show hosts saying that Josh Naylor is getting to that caliber of player. That's pretty high praise.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk to you about a couple of other young guys. Of course, we have a plethora of prospects that, and you know, I love prospects, (laughs) only eight position players. And yet it seems like we have 15 guys that are trying to get started. So I wanted to get your opinions about Gabriel Arias, Tyler Freeman, Brian Rocchio, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said, a a lot of young guys that coincidentally play the middle infield, but you know, you can kind of move them around, but um, some guys getting more playing time than others. Uh, someone like Tyler Freeman, who doesn't get a lot of playing time, but whenever he does get an opportunity to play, he does come through. Uh, someone like Arias, who you know he had high hopes for, he made his debut last year. Obviously, he moved to to right field, played a little first base, but someone who isn't producing at the plate as much as we would like. Uh, so I just kind of want to get your opinion on a couple of guys that you know you see, hopefully, will be a part of the future.
2: We do not appreciate Tyler Freeman enough in our sports circles. Tyler Freeman can ride the bench for six days and not sniff the plate. And he's going to get a pinch hit opportunity where he's going to go up and he's going to make the pitcher throw competitive pitches. He's going to fall behind in the count. He's going to work it full and then he's going to rip a double down the line. That's what he does. He was one of our top ranked prospects for a long time for good reason. Um, That, that ability is not to be frowned upon at all to be able to just sit the bench like guys, that's a special talent. The bat to ball skills are there. He plays okay defense. The fact that he can play short third or second, he's not going to want a gold glove at any of the positions, but is he going to make the plays that he should plus a couple that are probably pretty cool? Yeah. I think Tyler Freeman definitely deserves more playing time. The problem is this club has an unwavering, uh, loyalty to Ahmed Rosario. And of course now Ahmed is starting to get hot. He's (laughs) seeing more (laughs) left-handers. The weather is warmer Like you said, Ahmed has a track record. He's a warm weather player. It it is what it is. Um, But he's not going to be here next year. This free agent class for shortstops is incredibly weak. I don't think the Guardians are going to pay him to be a league average hitter or slightly below when they have more in the tank that they need to figure out. The problem is it's like you're not actively doing anything to figure that out. Um, Ahmed is still starting every day. You know, you could be getting looks at Tyler Freeman and Gabby Arias two to three times a week at shortstop. If you really want Ahmed in the lineup that bad, put him at DH. I mean, they've already shown that they're not afraid to take Bell out of the lineup in certain situations to give Hosie a day off or put Josh at DH and put Arias at first, like do that. And they just they won't. I like Arias. Um I think some people have given up on him, myself included, versus left handed pitching. But left-handed pitching is always going to be a smaller sample size just because there's less left-handers in the league than there are righties. Should he be in the starting lineup every day versus right-handed pitching? Yes. He has a 140-plus WRC-plus versus right-handed pitching, and we saw him smash that home run into Cleveland's bullpen in the Orioles series when we were at Camden Yards. Um, I also think they're bungling his development a little bit. I think his true position is at shortstop, and he should be playing a middle infield position of some variety. It is not beneficial to him to play right field, to play first base, and then sit the bench for three days and get a start at third when Jose needs a day off, or Ahmed is hurt and he gets to start at short. I would really like to see them just pick a consistent spot and play him there. Um, The problem is the emergence of Will Brennan has kind of clogged his plate appearances and field spot. I don't really think Brennan's a guy you can take out of your lineup right now. Um, As for Rocchio, we've seen, we saw great flashes of him. You know, it was, it was like a, it's like a shooting star. Like you had to be there to see it and it was gone in a flash, but the Chicago series, the kid played great. He didn't look that great at the plate. That's fine. It's a small sample size. He got his first hit, made an absolute dynamite play at third diving for a line drive. That would have been a double. Um, he's a good he's a guy to be excited about. He is the Lindor prodigy. That's the most common comp that I hear, and I also think it's the most fair. Um his swing profile is very much the same. Switch hitter absolutely crushes left handed pitching from the right hand side of the plate, and he will win a gold glove at a middle infield position that he's playing. I think he's your shortstop of the future, no doubt. Um, I think Tyler Freeman is your infield platoon guy. Um, what they've done with Arias, it, it makes it so hard to tell what they've been done. Personally, I would like to see him go to Columbus just to get consistent playing time because I think he deserves it. He's contributed enough on this team that he deserves more looks than he's getting. And the same thing goes for Tyler Freeman. I don't understand why this team this team treats their bench like a graveyard. I mean, we and they do the same thing to David Fry. Um, they, the only reason that David Fry is up here is is because the team has flirted with this loving three catchers on the roster this year for whatever reason that may be. Um, Fry should be a guy, he should probably be playing first, he should not be catching. As much as I love David Fry. Chuck and I were on him last year saying he should get his chance because he can play third and first. He's not a catcher. He did not catch at all at Columbus this year, and <laughs> they handed him the pads. When he got to Cleveland, he's like, hey, David, you're a third catcher. Congratulations. Learn, learn your pitching staff. And he's caught Emmanuel Clase in save situations. That is absurd. When you have Cam Gallagher on the bench, who's probably one of the best defensive catchers in the league. So it's just, it's weird, man. I've given up on trying to figure it out. There's a lot going on. And uh, I'm at the kind of kind of at the point where with the bench, I'm just, I'm here to enjoy the ride.
0: Yeah. Much I'll like look at they look at- are. I look at lineups every day and I'm like, all right, well, are we going to get a surprise start today from somebody? And nine times out of 10, it's like, no. But then when you finally do get that one, that's like, you know, oh, Freeman Tyler starting at second base, well. you're right. It's like, oh, well, I'm I'm going to enjoy today because I know he's probably going to do something that's very good and why you should probably be playing Well, him. the
2: thing is, it's like we know what we have in Miles Straw. We know what we have in Stephen Kwan. I think we're finding out what we have in Will Brennan, uh, his excellent bat-to-ball skills. You know, you don't... You, you have questions that need answered, particularly at one of the most defensive, heavy, importance middle infield positions, and you're actively doing nothing to figure out what that looks like next year, whether that's Tyler Freeman or Brian Rocchio. Rocchio's still very young. I believe he's only 21. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not actively doing anything to figure that out. And you could argue that they are kind of stuttering some guys' development in the process. You know, Arias had not seen right field professionally at all before this season. Now, as he's played out there, he looks a lot better. Is he defensively serviceable over a guy like Oscar Gonzalez? Yes, Oscar is Oscar wasn't made to field. He's he'll if he ever works out, he'll be a guy that eventually ends up being like the Nelson Cruz type DH only. But, you know, it's not good for guys to get bounced around the diamond like that. That's why you don't see a lot of teams do that. Mm -hmm. Are there at bats out there to be had? Yeah, I guess if you want to figure out what his bat is, but you need to see what his glove is, too. You have to see the whole thing.
0: Quick trivia of note that I just just remembered. uh, I saw, do you know who has the team's highest average exit velocity?
2: Highest average exit velocity. Probably have to be Josh, wouldn't it? Naylor.
0: It's actually Tyler Freeman. What? Yeah, last time I checked, it was 93.2, I believe.
2: Kid Uh, gets the bat to the ball, man. That's what he does.
0: Now, that may have changed because that was like a week ago, but again. I know Those he's not an everyday player.
2: Those numbers don't change all that much, though, because typically like with batted ball profiles, like Tyler Freeman gets good contact. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah,
0: I feel like something I just wanted to throw out there because I feel like um, who would guess it was Tyler Freeman of all people? I know I was certainly surprised when I found that out.
2: Yeah, that, I I would have had no idea. I would have said Josh because Josh has been hitting the crap out of the ball.
0: Uh-huh. All right, we're going to wrap it up really quickly with some word association. I'm going to give you a couple names, and I just kind of want you to give me a phrase and three words or less or however you feel about what you think of them and I guess kind of what their outlook is this season. So All we're right, going to start okay. it off with today's starter, Gavin Williams.
2: Exciting, electric, and confident. Um, he He's the real deal. I think y'all are going to see it. Um, he's going to go out and he's going to do his thing much. How we've seen Logan Allen like project himself very professionally. Like this is my mound. This is my business. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I think you're going to see that same thing from Gavin Williams. Next name is Bo Naylor. Young developing promising. Um, I don't think Bo is done developing yet, but his upside, you know, he could be one of the, his upside is being one of the best defensive catchers in the league. He's been a catcher his whole life. Um, you know, He's a guy that can hit. He's still got some development to do with the plate, but he's a guy that can hit 20, 25 home runs a year, and he's fast. He can get doubles, and he can steal bases.
0: Next guy is Ahmed Rosario.
2: Steady, dependable, controversial. <laughs> and I like that word. <laughs> controversial, controversial because we, we all love to hate on Ahmed, but at the end of the day, in the summer months when baseball matters most, he's going to heat up. He's going to get his average above 280. He's going to hit a crap ton of singles, but guess what? You want guys on base in front of Josh Naylor and Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez led the league and played appearances with two outs for the first two months of the season. That is no longer the case. That's what you want to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Next we have Oscar Gonzalez.
2: Oh man, this one's a tough one. I think I think there's still upside to be had. So three words: retooling, hardworking, and fun. Oscar is one of my favorite stories from last year. Oscar gave me one of my baseball memories that will forever be ingrained in my mind when he sent forty thousand fans home from a wild card game where he blasted a walk off home run into the left center field bleachers
0: off of Corey Kluber, by the way.
2: Yep. I uh, I don't think he's done. I think. I think his profile needs some work, but I don't think you've seen the last of him. He does need to learn how to lay off the breaking pitches, which is why he's currently at Triple A Columbus. Mm-hmm. But he's still young; he's not done. He cut his strikeout rate last year from twenty percent to twelve percent, which is a huge jump. So I don't think you've seen the last of him.
0: Next, we've got Will Brennan.
2: Will Brennan, chill, Will. I think. Silly Willie. Silly Willie. I think, so words that come to mind for Brennan are steady, dependable, and very calm. I don't think I've ever seen Brennan step into the plate and look truly unsettled. A memory that comes to my mind is when the Mariners were in town towards the beginning of the season, Uh, Brennan had not one, but two hits where he tied the game for Cleveland in extra innings. Uh, his profile is always exciting. He was actually one of my first prospects that I profiled last year as a guy to watch out for. They love his bat to ball skills. He plays above average defense. He's fast. He's exciting. What's not to like.
0: Last but not least to round out the list, we've got Josh Naylor,
2: Josh Naylor. I think so. Some words that come to my mind are dog him and an absolute beast. Um, he he is that spark plug. Every team in the league wishes that they had a Josh Naylor on their team, period. A guy that can go up to the plate and decide, you know what? I don't want to wear the batting gloves this time because I'm going to smack the first pitch 400 feet and can fire up the entire dugout while he does it. But the thing is, for as much as he's that exciting dude, you listen to him talk, he's genuinely one of the most humble, appreciative dudes that I have ever heard speak to the media. He is, but that's what you want. He's a professional both on and off the field. And there's not a team in baseball that does not want what he brings to the field every day.
0: All right, Zach, that'll do it for word association. Want to thank you for coming on. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, this was good. Um, I do want to give you a chance to kind of tell everybody, uh, you know, What you do in the podcast that you, you know, participate in and where they could find your your profiling and and your Twitter and, you know, just kind of give the people that information.
2: Right on. I appreciate it. So you can find our podcast on Twitter. You can find us at at the corner pod. Uh, You can find my personal Twitter, uh, Zach at the corner. Um, You can find Chuck, my co-host Twitter. I can never remember the crazy numbers after his bio. it's, It's too many. It is. If you go to our podcast page, you can find him. And if you live in Guardians Twitter, Chuck is an absolute must follow Mm -hmm. uh, because he tweets what's on his mind with no Mm -hmm. filter. And he will oftentimes find himself thinking very bluntly (laughs) what everyone else is thinking. And the best part is he's dead serious. (laughs) Uh, You can find At The Corner Podcast on any major podcast service. It's distributed everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's on TuneIn, Amazon, uh, Pocket Casts. Uh, We got a lot of fun stuff over there. We do a weekly show. We've got some prospect interviews that we did in the offseason to include an interview with Tanner Bybee uh, and Tim Herron. We also had the recently departed Richie Palacios uh, sit down with us and lend us his time. So if you guys want to learn more about those players, you can go back through and find those episodes. We also feature prominent uh, Cleveland sports personalities whenever we can borrow their time. Uh, Willie Hood, uh, Jeff Ellis of the Locked on Guardians podcast network, Justin Lada, formerly of Guardians Baseball Insider, and now does the Locked On Podcast with Jeff. Uh, we, we just love to talk ball. If you want to talk ball with us, you are more than welcome to come hang out in our circles and come on our show.
0: That's right. And uh, everybody who's listening, Chuck was featured on, I believe, episode three. So if you listen to that episode, you definitely know who Chuck is and what he's about. And
2: once you've heard uh, him, his, you can't His crazy Twitter him. account.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so. Everybody go back and listen to that episode as well. But Zach, again, I want to thank you Uh, for Zach. This has been another episode of Believe in Guardians, and we will catch you next week. See you.
2: Thanks for having me, Amari. See you guys. Yes, sir.